0: Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan Ney. I to talk about leadership. In my years working with people, primarily as an HR professional, I observed so much disengagement within the organizations and with us personally. We spent so much of our time working, many of us within organizations. It really needs to be the best that it can be. I wrote the book, Leadership Inside Out, Affecting Change from Within, because I really believe that as individuals, we can do something about this. We've really got it within ourselves. And so the book is really more about a self-development than an academic go-to. It's been people's reaction to the book and a growing recognition of the real challenges that we face both individually and in our organizations around this people stuff that led me to develop this podcast series. One of the parts of the book addresses leadership. And I'd like to share with you through today's podcast a little bit about my insights on leadership. And also about how we find lessons and what happens to us and around us every day, including at the pit Playground. Let's start. I was asked to speak on leadership, and so I took some reflective time to look at my own life examples and determine what did leadership mean to me? In that reflection, there were two quotes that I found quite relevant, one from Mahatma Gandhi, a reminder that we must be the change we wish to see in this world. And the other from John Maxwell, the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, the leader adjusts the sails so true. So what is leadership? I know it's not just a position. I've worked with a number of individuals in positions that would be considered leadership within our organizations. Some of these people were not what I considered to be true leaders. but I've also worked with individuals who, by their very actions, bespoke leadership in everything they did. To me, leadership is about having the courage to take a stand on something that might be unpopular, but also to present it in a way that doesn't invite defensiveness, but actually urges curiosity. I reflect on an example from a very forward-thinking man who brought in the concept of distributed learning, the precursor to online learning, to post-secondary education in the late 1980s. It was a concept that face-to-face oriented faculty were quite threatened by. What would happen to their jobs? How in the world could students learn? And yet, many years later, this method of teaching has enabled individuals to enjoy classes across the globe. And it's provided learning to many people who would not have been able to attend universities due to the travel costs. The man was laughed at by many within the organization. His efforts, I'd heard termed as a dog and pony show. Yet he was a true leader. He was ahead of his time. He saw something that would benefit people's capability and the ability to learn. And he had the courage to share that and to encourage The organization to consider it. His ideas would not be truly considered for at least a decade. I've never forgotten that man. That was leadership to me. It was also interesting watching what happened when I was at the British Columbia Institute of Technology and my boss ended up going on an extended sick leave. The organization brought in a person to be a support to the management team. He wasn't an HR expert and I I was a little concerned about that. But what I learned quickly is he had a great head on his shoulders and he knew what management was and he knew what leadership was. He made clear to us that we were the experts. His job was to remove obstacles so that we could do our jobs the most effectively that we could. I loved working with him. He had the wisdom of years of experience, and he didn't try to micromanage in an environment that was, quite honestly, quite foreign to him. I've experienced leadership as a team. I recall being a spokesperson for a really difficult set of of negotiations for a new collective agreement. We were an impasse and the organization was on strike or we were in a strike situation. But we'd also become a pawn in a larger provincial political situation. I was a really green negotiator at the time. It was pretty overwhelming. And I was also at the helm of that round of negotiations. The director of human resources, was also negotiating, but at a different table with a different bargaining unit. The board meeting was coming up. Everybody was angry. The province was frustrated with us. Students, of course, weren't getting their classes. Parents were in an uproar. And we were a long ways from settling. So we attended the board meeting. And of course, the board looked to my boss, the director of human resources, But him, rather than speak to the issues, turned to me and turned to the board and quietly said, Susan is the spokesperson at that table. She'll speak to the issues and your questions. His faith in me that I could handle myself, that I could address those questions and hold my own, meant the world to me. That was team. He had my back. He was there. If I stumbled, I knew he would help me. From that point forward, he gave me the confidence to speak, to deal with difficult situations. I had been provided the opportunity of somebody believing in me. I knew I could handle just about anything as a result of that moment. In my mind, leadership is also about core values. In an interview, I was asked what my top core value was, and I responded integrity. My soon to be boss happily congratulated me that this was his as well. It might have been his, but I learned quickly it was not necessarily the organization's. I don't know if it was a dramatic change in the formal leadership or that his hands were tied or whatever it was, but my tenure at that organization was marked with example after example of miscommunication, what I considered disrespect, and certainly not integrity. It was an eye-opener and another great set of lessons, particularly that I was actually asked to lead a project that was to determine what the core values of the organization should be and include a gap analysis of what needed to happen to actually model and live those values. I was sent on a province-wide meet with employees, promise them that the organization really meant it process. I put my reputation on the line. There was a lot of cynicism. I promised the most skeptical that this would make a positive difference. And it didn't. The, words, the value words went up on a poster board, but nothing was ever done to address the gaps, and there were many of them. It was the absolute opposite of how I saw and expected integrity to be modeled. It taught me a lot about leadership. It also taught me that I was perhaps in the wrong organization and that I needed to find one that was in closer alignment to my version of integrity. I believe that a leader has to be able to communicate really effectively, both orally and in writing. They have to be able to persuade and to influence. To do this, they have to be able to really hear what's being said, but also what's not being said. They have to be curious and to dig deep. They have to be able to instill confidence in people, that they care enough to want to know the truth, that they're open to hearing things that might be difficult to to hear. I believe a a leader needs to really understand the importance of communication. People need to know what's going on. They don't want to be left in the dark. But a leader also needs to be able to tell people when something can't be shared and to be trusted when they can't share those communications. Speaking of trust, I believe that great leaders need to be trusted and trustworthy. If they give you their word, you should be able to count on that. If something happens that they need to course correct, and and we know that happens, that they'll come to us and they'll let us know. That we know they have our back. And that if there's something that needs to be said to us, it will be. Leaders in my life have included an interesting array of individuals. Agnes Newton Keith wrote about her family's experience in a Japanese internment camp in the second world war in her book three came home as a child my great aunt loaned me the book and she let me know that mrs keith lived only a couple of blocks away so i wrote to mrs keith and i told her how much i'd learned from her book and she wrote me back for years i still have her letters we met for tea she watched me grow up when she died, I sent her family a sympathy card. Her son wrote back to me to let me know how much her friendship had been something her, his mom had cherished. My first hero, in my mind, a true leader. Might you be that to someone in your life? I said yes to an opportunity to assist with an organizing campaign for the Bell Canada operators based out of Ontario and Quebec, Canada. I was 20. I lived in British Columbia at the far west side of end of, of our beautiful nation. And I'd never been at a switchboard in my entire life. I hadn't worked as a telephone operator. And yes, we're talking a few years ago, and they did work on switchboards then. So I needed and received mentoring from two of the most wonderful men I've ever had the pleasure to work with, Ed Seymour and Bill Howes. Those two had faith in this young kid. They believed in me and in my abilities. When I didn't but it was enough to make me try really hard to prove that they were right. Now, both are leaders and have been throughout their careers, but it wasn't their prowess or what they'd published that impressed me. It was how they treated me. That's leadership. I really believe that a leader has to have passion. Seeing someone glow with energy when engaged is absolutely invigorating. I think a leader has to be visibly engaged in their pursuit, whether it's leading an organization, a cause, or a team. I've seen too many formal leaders lose this. They've lost their edge. They've become disillusioned, but not willing to step back and let somebody else take the helm. Lower of a paycheck, and the reality that there are only so many high paid and sought after positions keeps them stuck. I don't normally believe in term contracts like a five year employment contract, but I think it does make sense for top positions within organizations. I'm not sure how long any individual can remain a buffer between a governance group, a board council, where priorities change with the reality of the market and politics, and to keep vibrant for the teams that they, they oversee. It's easy to lose that spark and the energy that's really required to keep that leadership fresh. Some are able to do it. The ones that can't Well, (laughs) it had always been my hope that they would they would make a a different choice. Which really takes us nicely to to my last my last little insight from my reflections, where a leader really needs to understand who they are, what makes them tick, what their trigger points are, and how to manage these. Self-reflection, self-knowledge. You know, there is no perfect leader, just like there are no perfect individuals. Every one of us has our blind spots and our areas to work on. But the more willing a leader is to receive and integrate the feedback, to be a lifelong learner, to embrace continuous self-improvement, the smaller that blind spot and the areas that hold them back become. A leader who models acceptance of feedback and application of new skills and learning really becomes encouragement for others to do similarly. Vulnerability truly does create trust. And we're all leaders in our lives through our work, our volunteer activities, our sports teams, parenting. Hey, I just became a grandma, so it'll be interesting to watch me use the skills and insights and the influence on the new little girl in my life. Do you consider to be the traits of leadership? So the ones that came to me make sense to you? What others? What leadership qualities have you seen done well? And are you modeling these? Important questions. And important to spend a bit of time reflecting on those. If you're either a leader or inspired to be one at some point. And the lessons in our lives that help us polish those skills are every day and in every way. I promised you some fun in the podcast. So I'm going to take us to the playground next. And a quote from Serena Williams a champion is defined not by their wins but by how they can recover when they fall i love metaphors and of course in using lessons from the playground you know there's there's some metaphor thinking through there but when we fall it's the how we get up it's the how we brush our knees off it's the how we reflect on what we could have done differently and the how we move forward that speaks to our leadership and who we are as individuals. As I watch children play, I see behaviors that we don't even think about anymore. Lessons that we learned that have been ingrained in us for years. Many of these learned on the playground and we continue to practice as adults. I'm going to start us off in the sandbox. Sand. My friend encourages me to sift sand through my fingers when when I'm feeling poorly towards someone. She insists that it'll help me create more positive thoughts. (laughs) I'm not certain that it does, but I find myself frequently heading towards that silly bag of sand, and I know it's pretty full of my muck. Sandboxes have always been a place to figure out solutions. As children, we learned sharing. We created. We fought and we made up. We loaned and we borrowed. We discovered. We made memories to last a lifetime. I have a Zen sandbox on my desk, complete with sand, stones, candles, and a small rake. Yeah, I know that shouldn't surprise you. I like to bury treasures in the sand so that unsuspecting visitors will delight at the unearthing of a coin or a treasure. I sense I have more visitors because of my playthings. Whether one likes to ensure that the sand is perfectly raked or the stone's more appropriately positioned, many find it difficult to ignore. It's important that we not lose sight of the importance of play and the joy in discovery and in these earlier lessons. Let's move to the teeter-totter. The teeter-totter, some call it a seesaw, was always fun until we learned the law of physics. I grew in height and weight much sooner than my peers. So my physical difference became just that much more obvious on this piece of playground equipment. The teeter-totter is about balance. We learned that we could manipulate that balance by placing our bodies at different distances from the fulcrum. We learned how to balance perfectly by doing this, even with our different body weights. We also learned how to topple our opponent by getting off quickly, to shake up our opponent by putting our feet to the ground before expected. Perhaps we were being carefully prepared for the organizational experiences that we'd one day encounter, although initially quite content to just enjoy the ride. As we gained experience on the teeter totter, we learned how to anticipate our opponent's next move. We learned how to outsmart those intended moves. We understood balance. We understood what worked with the individual we had partnered with. Again, we laughed. We learned. And we had fun in the process. The swing set. There was always a race for this favorite piece of playground paraphernalia. Who could swing the highest? Who could jump the furthest from and not get hurt? I don't remember ever being on a swing set without some sort of competition involved. It was all in fun. We took turns. We learned how to pump our legs. We helped others by pushing. We asked to be pushed. We graduated with swings from swings with bars, not the kind you're thinking of, to those without. We graduated to more complex equipment. We felt the wind in our hair and the freedom of flying. As an adult, I continue to be lured to the swing sets. Unless my daughter's with me, I don't have to worry about swinging so high and there's no way I'm going to jump off now. So I'm no longer even asked to engage in this earlier passion and yet the same thrills exist. I continue to enjoy the feel of the wind and the freedom of flying through space with just a band of fabric and two lengths of chain to contain me. It's a simple pleasure that time cannot erase. I took the lessons learned, and I ingrained them into my life, integrated them into my life. I've not lost the joy in the process. And finally, the slide. Up, 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 we would go. Far into the air, perfectly positioned with a bird's eye view of the playground. Then, within moments, we were back on the ground where we'd started lined up to do it again. We knew we had to wait our turn. We supported and coached those who froze at the top. We chided those who did not follow the rules and tried to walk up the slide. We reminded friends who loitered at the bottom that they needed to keep pace or they might get hurt. Although by today's standards, the slides of my day were rather staid, we loved the rush. We challenged ourselves by climbing to the top. We anticipated what the ride would be like. We learned patience and tolerance. As the slides got higher and more complex, we overcame our fear and did it anyway. We applied societal norms about etiquette. We helped when our friends were in trouble. On a recent trip down the slide in our neighborhood park, I was surprised by its height. As I maneuvered my adult body into a sitting position, I could only imagine how much higher this must have felt as a child. It's strange to remember I once had the courage to go down face first or another contortions linked with friends, completely oblivious to the fact that I was many feet up in the air. I'm glad I had the courage and the confidence to just do it at that point in my life. It's a good reminder to me to take chances and not play life quite so safe. Hopefully you found that fun. When was the last time you sat on that swing set in your neighborhood park or sifted sand through your fingers? Do you remember the lessons from your own childhood experience? Do they still make sense to you? Do you see how we've ingrained those lessons into how we act and how we lead today? Leadership inside out, effecting change from within. It'll make you think, (laughs) available on Amazon. I am hoping to be able to introduce you to another of my heroes next week as we continue to explore leadership. do hope that you'll join me again. In the meantime, I encourage you to, you guessed it, dare to soar. Check me out on my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com. The show notes to the podcast They contain all my contact information if you want to connect in with me it's susan signing off thank you again for joining me hope you had a great day all the best till next week bye for now well we've reached our destination for today time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing thank you for joining me if i said something that resonated with you please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note, either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susanginae at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.